You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Well, good morning, Chapel family. I'm Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's my honor and privilege to be with you here this morning and and share again in our series, Back to Basics. Uh, We've been in this series for about three weeks now, and uh, the whole heartbeat of this series is that we would know and love God's Word. I'm going to start with a question. What good is a tool if we don't know how to use it? What good is a tool if we don't know how to use it? You see, I think everyone in here has tools at their disposal, whether in your garage or in your house. You can think of anything from a sewing machine to scissors to a shovel, maybe a chainsaw, maybe a hammer, a table saw. What good are all those things if you don't know how to use them? You see, they would be good to look at. Um, you, You realize like, oh man, those were all really expensive tools, but if you don't know how to use them, there would just be something inside of you that says, man, I just wish I knew how to do that. I wish I knew how to use that. You see, every tool has a specific purpose. And uh, knowing how to use them doesn't happen overnight. You need somebody to show you how. Maybe you watched a YouTube video or you read the manual. But it's better if you've got somebody to show you how to use the tool. You see, growing up, uh, that was my father for me. Uh, I've got a lot of tools in my garage, uh, from outdoor tools to woodworking tools. I love working with my hands. And my dad was one of those guys that loved uh, spending time with me and showing me how to use these tools. I can remember the first time I used a ratchet set, okay? And it seems like a pretty simple tool to use, like a socket and a ratchet. But I was actually helping my dad fix a 1991 uh, Ford Aerostar van. And it was not anything mechanical. It was actually something cosmetic in the van. The, 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 the driver's seat had come apart and my dad had pulled the cushion off and the sheet metal inside the seat had, had split apart. And we were running these lag bolts through it. And uh, as a little 10 year old boy, my dad's like, here, do you want to try to tighten the bolts? And uh, here I am tightening the bolts through this sheet metal. And if you've ever used a socket set or a ratchet set, you, you realize that the, the further towards the end you, you use it, you, you have more torque, okay? So you don't want to hold right next to the socket because you, you won't be able to turn it, okay? Those of you who use a, a ratchet or a socket set, you understand what I'm talking about. But as a 10-year-old boy, I'm gripping the end of it, and, and here I am, and pulling as hard as I can, and my, my hand slips off of this, this bolt, and it goes into the seat, and uh, the sheet metal had gouged into my arm. And still to this day, if you look right here, you can see a little scar, This scar on my arm is a reminder that my dad spent the time to show me how to use a tool and that I didn't know how to use that tool properly. You see, one of the most powerful and essential tools that we have for our spiritual growth is God's word. We have it at our disposal, but often, like Brandon said a few weeks ago, it gets neglected or we just simply don't know how to use it. See, our goal for this series is to help you see the Bible for what it is and help you to realize that you don't have to be a Bible scholar to study God's word. We want you to develop a love for God's word. And in the last few weeks, uh, we talked about the importance of God's word, that it's God's special revelation to us, his, his written word. Uh, it's his love story to us. And last week, Sam talked about that it is, um, you know, it is applicable to our lives. And 
to first be able to apply it to our lives, we must have a love for God's word to, to know how to rightly apply it. You see, we could spend years telling you how to study God's word, but unless you spend time studying it yourself, um, you, you'll miss the point. You, you won't know how to use it properly. If you've grown up in church, you've read Psalms like, God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We know that his word is living and active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that it's, it's profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for training in righteousness. But maybe you're sitting here this morning just overwhelmed by the reality that, man, I know those things about it, but I just don't know how to get it in here and to use it for my life. You see, the Bible is more than just a tool. I believe it's a treasure that we seek to know and to understand. And when we start to see it that way and see it rightly and believe that, uh, then we can start to apply it to our lives and start to grow uh, from God's word. You see, I believe the best way to hear from God is to go to him ourselves and, and have a relationship with him, spend time in his word. I think far too often, especially even in the church, we, we bank on the pastor hearing from God and telling us what God is saying. Or we, we try to interpret what God is saying in our situation or circumstance. Uh, but that's very dangerous if those things are not measured up with what God's word is saying to you. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have his spirit living in you, and he has the power to speak to you through his word today. So today we're going to introduce a tool to you and show you how to use it. Uh, many of you probably have already heard of this tool. You may, maybe have already used this tool in your own Bible study. This is called the REAP method, okay? REAP method. Read, examine, apply, pray. So the idea of reaping um, is, you know, you've heard it said before, sowing and reaping, kind of cultivating and gathering a harvest. God's word is like a harvest that we can gather so we can be filled and nourished and become self-feeders. For those of you in this room who are parents, you've raised kids, you want them to become self-feeders. You want them to become independent, to know how to tie their shoe uh, to be contributors to society, right? But that's also the goal of the Christian life, that we would, uh, as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4, that we would grow up in every way into Jesus, who is the head. He also says to the church at Colossae that, we would, um, that we would, he would present everyone mature in Christ. You see, our maturity doesn't come from how much we know about God, but rather how much of that truth, by God's grace, we are living and being obedient to. Let me repeat that. Our maturity in the faith does not come from how much we know about God, but rather how much of that truth by God's grace we are being obedient to. See, today we're just going to scratch the surface on a simple Bible study tool, and hopefully it encourages you to spend more time in God's word yourself. So today is going to be a little bit like a preaching lab or a teaching lab and a little bit, uh, a little bit of a sermon. So I'm going to expose a tool. I'm going to show you how to use the tool, and then we're going to use the tool together. We're going to walk through Psalm 121 together this morning. So the REAP method, it is a tool that many churches use. It's a tool that we love, and uh, as Brandon said, it is a tool that we're going to use all summer long as we dig into God's Word through 1 John. So we want you to know how to use it. We want you to know how to understand it. And uh, today, hopefully, if you've not used the REAP method before, today you'll have a better understanding of how to do that. So the REAP method, what is it and how do I use it? Um, I, I think it's important before we ever study God's word, no matter what method of Bible study you use, it's important to spend time praying before you get into God's word. 
Okay, so you can call it the preep method because you should pray before you reap, right? But praying before you get into God's word, and one of the things I like to pray is found in Psalm 119, verse 18, where the psalmist says, open up my eyes to see your truth. Um, there, there is this reality, right, that we, we may open up our eyes to see the wondrous things that God has taught us and has laid out to us in his word. Our prayer is that God, show me what you want me to see. Show me something that I haven't seen before. And God, show me where my heart doesn't line up with your heart. The whole idea of praying before you, you spend time studying God's word is not that you would be able to hear the things from God so that you would just be able to apply it to your life, right? Prayer is not about getting what we want, but it's about understanding what God wants for me. So the first step in this Bible study method um, is read, read. It's pretty straightforward, right? Um, read. So that seeks to answer the question, what does the text say? And it sounds really obvious, read, right? Before you study anything, you're going to have to read. Whether you're in this room and you're like, Dave, I really don't like to read. If you want to study anything, if you want to learn anything, you have to read. Um, it's important to note that reading God's word is different than consuming any, any other content that we read. So I don't know about you, but we spend a lot of times on our smartphones, on our devices, and we're always consuming content. There is a level of reading that we engage in every day to learn things, to learn opinions, to share our own opinions, to, to put things out there. Okay, so we're always reading, we're always scrolling. Um, but the way that we come to God's word is different than any other, con uh, any other, any other content that we consume. So here are a few tips. Uh, I want to encourage you to start with a chapter or less. If you've never read God's word before, or maybe you've read God's word for 90 years, it's, it's important to start in this method with a chapter or less. Um, I would encourage you to read it multiple times. Read it multiple times. See, sometimes I think when we read something, we think we understand it, we get the point, and then we reread it, and then God exposes something totally different to us. Like I said, the posture here, to stop, listen, and to ponder. These are some, some good tips in this step of reading. And lastly, read it to understand or to comprehend. So in this step, you're asking the question, what does the text say? I think sometimes we come to God's word with the wrong posture and we start looking for applications that apply to our lives and a nugget of truth that we can take away so that we can be done with our quiet time or our devotion and say, okay, God, what did you say to me today? Check, I got something that I can take with me. But God wants to speak to you through his word, through his Holy Spirit, and uh, not rush to the reality of what the application is. So read, begin to look at it to see, to know, and to understand. So in this step, you're going you're, you're gonna to ask the question, what does the text say? And, and you're going to start to figure out what is the point of the passage. So the second step in this Bible study method is examine. And examine answers the question, what does this text mean? All right, so you go from, some, from answering the question, what does this text say, to now going to what does this text mean? Uh, it starts digging into the deeper section of, of not just observation, but interpretation, like starting to draw some understanding of what God's word is saying to you. It's like putting something under a microscope and then moving it around and starting to see things from different angles and understanding what God would be saying to you. This is the part of Bible study 
I think that often gets neglected because it's, it's the part that, uh, if you take the time to do it, is going to be the most time-consuming. But it's also going to be the most productive because um, in this is the time where you read and reflect and you research. Uh, like I said, it, it's going to take a lot of time at our disposal to examine a text. Uh, but as Pastor Brandon said a few weeks ago, we have so many resources and tools at our disposal our excuses for Bible study should be very limitless. Um, I can think of a few right now. You can download some apps. Um, the YouVersion Bible app is a good one. You can download uh, Blue Letter Bible. Uh, you could download the Bible Gateway app, and you can download Bible study tools. And these are all available online as well, too. Um, these allow you to dig deeper into word studies, um, background uh, of the text, um, they have commentaries on there as well, too. So if you're struggling to, to take that first step of saying, I don't know how to examine the text, like, Dave, you're talking about going deeper and digging deeper, where do I even go? These are some, some helpful resources uh, to allow you to do that. So digging deeper, we start to make observations to draw out meaning from the text. And uh, it's important that we always allow Scripture to interpret Scripture, Right? There's a difference between exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis is, is drawing out from the text and allowing the text to speak for itself, and eisegesis is reading into the text. And we've got to be careful not to do that. So during this step of examining, we're going to make observations. And observation is something that we, we see. And some of us are better at seeing things than others. Uh, that's, there, there's a real reality in this room that that's why some of you make better eyewitnesses. And, and typically it's, it's the females in the room. Okay. I've got a 10 year old daughter that can remember everything that somebody wore, uh, when they wore it. And it's just crazy. The amount of detail, like she's got a photographic memory about like, yeah, dad, I remember she was wearing that shirt with that pants. And it was just like, how are you even paying attention to that stuff? Well, this morning, I've got a little exercise that I want us to do to work on our observation skills, okay? So there's a slide that is going to come up here um, with some squares. I want you to count them up and tell me how many squares you see. Who said 16? All right, keep looking. 17, keep looking. What are we up to now? Oh my goodness, we're 26. You see more? One hundred. Has anyone said thirty? Thirty. Okay. So the reality is like sometimes we see something at face value and we're like, oh, there's sixteen squares there. But what I want you to see here as I pull out my handy dandy laser pointer that I brought, okay? You've got one, two, three, four, okay, four by four, that makes 16. This outside square would be 17. Some of you counted this one here, 18, this one here, 19, and then this one here, 20, 21, um, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, what am I up to now? 27, 28, 29, and 30. You, you see that there, that sometimes there's more to see than what you, than what you first expect. And I had a, a Bible teacher in, in college um, to, to work on our observation skills in this Bible study method on observation. He would give us a text and say, okay, I want you to come back with 50 things that you observe. 
And then we came back that next day and we had a list of all the things that we saw, different keywords, different places, different things that we observed. And he's like, all right, your assignment for tomorrow, come up with 50 new observations from this text. And we're like, there's no way. Um, but what I want to encourage you with is there's always something more to see. All right, so take the time, slow down and observe. And some of us are a little bit better at observing. So slow down and observe God's word. So in the examine phase, here are a few tips. Look for keywords or phrases, uh, some things that stick out to you. And here in a few moments when we get into God's word together, we're going to see some words that stick out to you. Words that are repeated are, are keywords here. Um, also, look to seek to answer the five W's and the one H, all right? That is the who, what, when, where, why, and how. When you can start coming to God's word and asking yourself, okay, who wrote this? Why did they write it? Who are they writing to? When was it written? Um, what was the author's intended purpose? You start looking at a text from the standpoint of answering these questions, then you're starting to scratch the surface on examining what this text means, all right? Sorry, this sounds very classroom-esque, but read, examine, uh, examine. You're asking yourself the question, who's writing, who's the author, all of these things. And you can start to ask all of these different questions that you don't know about the text. And when you start to learn these things, you're examining and you're researching the text uh, and start to discern the why and the how. So the who, what, when, where, why, and how starts to shift into this interpretation of what God's word is saying. What does the text say? What does it mean? And based upon what you research, then you're going to find out what God's word means to you. Which leads us to our next step. Apply. R-E-A-P, right? Apply. And that is asking the question, what is God asking me to do? You see, I think a lot of times, like I said, we come to God's word and we start with the application, trying to look for, right, that nugget or that truth that we can apply to our life. Um, but when we rightly apply God's word, like Sam said last week, it starts with first having a love for God's word. See, it goes beyond looking at the passage as we are mere words on a page to study, but it shifts the focus to putting it up against our life. You see, it, it starts to ask the question, uh, what does this mean to me? But then it asks it in a different way. It says, what does this text mean for me? Um, it, it goes from interpretation or information to, to transformation. Um, you know, there's an element here of self-reflecting and self-examination that, that we realize and we step back that God's word has the power to change us. Um, we ask the question, what is God saying to me? What am I going to do about it? So some good, applica some good application questions to ask uh, when you get to a text go like this. When you hold your life up to the text, you can ask these questions. Is there a truth about God that I need to believe? Is there a truth about God that I need to believe? Is there a truth about myself that I need to understand? Is there a truth about myself that I need to understand? Thirdly, is there a sin that I need to repent of? And lastly, is there a command that I need to obey? You see, I think when we come to a text and answer these questions, these are all the framework for application. Is there a truth about God that I need to believe? Is there a truth about myself I need to understand? Is there a sin to repent of? And is there a command that I need to obey? So read, examine, apply, and the last part of this Bible study method is to pray. And it's important to, to start your time in God's word in prayer and to end your time in God's word in prayer 
But I would encourage you in this method to pray through the truths of the text. Um, Walk back through the text and pray the text and reflect that truth back to God. You see, we, we need to be transformed by God's word. And part of being able to do that is, is understanding that there are things about me, right, in the application phase that I need to change. And by praying and crying out to God, we understand that and we, and we let him know the things that are true uh, about what we've seen. So that's the tool, right? Pretty straightforward. Read, examine, apply, pray. And again, it's not a perfect formula for every text or every Uh, time you get into God's word, but it's a really good tool to help you study God's word. So this morning, I'd like to take just a few minutes and and help you get into a passage together. I feel like it's a passage that God laid on my heart this week. Uh, In the midst of all the craziness of life, uh, it's a very encouraging passage. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Psalm 121 for the next few moments? If you don't have a Bible, you can go under the seat ahead of you. And you can get the Bible out of the seat ahead of you. Also, you can look on the screens this morning. So this morning, we're going to be in Psalm 121. And like I said, before we get into studying God's word, it's important for us to pray. So let's pray again before we study God's word together this morning. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. And uh, Father, we're looking at Psalm 121 this morning together as a church family and as a body. And uh, we pray. Like, like we prayed earlier in, in Psalm 119, verse 18, to open our eyes so that we would see your truth. Father, we, we echo that this morning. Is there something about us that we need to know? Is there something about you that we need to trust and to believe? Father, help us to take your word this morning and understand where our heart doesn't line up with yours. Father, be with us during this time of, of study and And just allow your word to transform us. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so Psalm 121. We're going to read through it one time, and uh, then we're going to read it again. All right, so let me read it for us. Psalm 121. It says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore. All right, so hopefully you're keying in on some of the key words there that have stuck out to you some of the repeated words, some of the key phrases and ideas. And let's go ahead and read it again and examine it a little bit further. I'll read it. You know, let's read it together as as a church body. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore. 
Well, this is God's word and it is true. And I think it's important for us as we study the Bible, and this is a pretty straightforward passage to understand what God is saying this morning. But when you ask yourself, what is the point of that passage? Hopefully you come away with a statement very similar to this, that God alone is our protector and present help on this journey of life, right? That God alone is our protector and our present help on this journey of life. So let's examine it a little bit further. What are some words that stuck out to you this morning when we read that? Keep, all right? The word keep. You see it quite a bit in this text. And the word keep was, was in there six times, the word keep or keeper. Uh, if you're reading from a different translation than the ESV, it's possible that you, you also saw the word protect or guard, right? What are some other words? The Lord, that's a key word. Help. It's important to look at this text. You can't even read this text appropriately. If that word help is not in there, this text doesn't even mean the same thing, right? So you've got keep, help, the Lord, and then a lot of other stuff that's pretty good and pretty straightforward. You see, when we look at this, this text and when we examine it a little bit further, uh, it's important that we don't look at it in isolation. So here's what we know. We know that Psalm 121 is a psalm of ascent. And um, a psalm of ascent is, is a really good psalm. Uh, as part of a uh, fifth, one of the 15 psalms of the psalms of ascent. Psalms 120 to 134 were the psalms of ascent. And these were these encouraging words that these ancient Jewish people, um, as they were ascending to Jerusalem on these pilgrimages uh, multiple times a year for the feasts of Passover, um, the feast of, feast of Pentecost, or even tabernacles, as they still do today, they would journey along the way. And this was the, the, the cries and the worship of their heart to encourage each other. But I think it's important also to look that these Psalms of Ascent have a pattern to them, all right? So this is Psalm 121. If you go back to Psalm 120, it starts out by saying, if you go in your Bible, the first, the, the first verse in it says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me, deliver me, O Lord. So you got this tone of trouble, okay? You shift into Psalm 121, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. So you've got this posture or this tone or this theme of trust. So you've got trouble, then trust. And then you go into Psalm 122. If you look at the beginning verse in Psalm 122, it says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So you've got this shift from trouble to trust to triumph. Okay, And this pattern continues on through all of these psalms of ascent. And it, it's important to remember that if, if ever you're discouraged or down, you can go back to these psalms of ascent, and these are going to be these, these, these plumb lines almost, or these, these leveling texts for you to help encourage your heart back to who God is and how to worship him along the journey. So you've got trouble, in my distress I called to the Lord, Trust, I lift up my eyes to the hills, and triumph, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That theme continues on through these psalms of ascent. Um, it's almost like you've got this posture of repentance, faith, and worship, right? And for any one of us, just like the Jews who trekked on their way up to Jerusalem, we too are on a daily journey on our pursuit of God. And we are being prepared and transformed by God's word every day, 
and one day we will be in his presence if you're a follower of Jesus, okay? So these are these encouraging texts to remind us not to give up in the hard times, uh, to help us to understand what to focus on, what to believe, who to trust, and who to follow. So again, these key words that stuck out, like we said, keep, help, the Lord, and uh, I, I want you to see too here in the first couple verses in Psalm 121, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hill. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. So he's, already, he's kind of starting this, this psalm in the first person, which is the anticipation of the help that he's going to receive. Then in verse 3 to 8, there's this shift into the second person. You, right? It says, uh, he will not let your foot be moved. He keeps you, will not slumber. So there's this shift in, in the pronouns there that he, um, you know, is, is going to keep us. And this assurance of the help that we get is from the Lord. So the word keep is six times in this text. And like I said, you see it multiple times. And it's important for us to see that the, the original Hebrew and Greek word uses um, uh, the, the same word, protect, guard, or keep. And if you're reading the ESV, it uses the word keep for all of them. Um, the word help and the Lord. The Lord is in this, um, the Lord or he is in this text nine times. So let's look at verse one. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. So I choosing, right? I choosing to lift up my eyes is this conscious choice um, or, or this posture of dependence. You see, we can... We can think of the mountain being the challenge ahead. And I think a lot of times in life, if, if you're on a journey and you see a mountain ahead, you're like, oh, I don't know how I'm ever going to climb this mountain. Um, but the mountain is, is really like this, this awareness of looking up to the creator. Um, and I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 3, that if you've been raised with Christ, then seek the things that are above. Set your mind on the things of God. Verse 2, it says, from where does my help come? Our help comes from the creator of the universe. See, our help is not coming from somebody who is just familiar with the situation or someone who's experienced these, these matters firsthand, but the one who created all things is the one who helps us. See, there's no higher expert on this side of eternity than the creator of the universe who knows everything about us. He knows every detail about us. And what I do know is that we are all needy people, and the essential part of us growing in Jesus and growing in our faith and growing in our, our knowledge of God's word starts with this admitting that we need help, right? So I love when the psalmist cries out, where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. Verse 3 says, he will not let your foot be moved. Uh, and this is really talking about the, the, the help or the keeping that he provides, you see, when, when we look at this text, we can say he will not let our foot be moved. We're like, okay, well, God, there's, there's things that have happened to me that I'm just confused by. My foot has moved. Um, you see, this is not a promise that all physical problems associated with your situation are just going to automatically go away. You see, sometimes the idea of help that we have for our life is not what God's plan for help is for our life. Sometimes the help that we think that we need is to, to be removed or to be rescued from our situation. And what God is saying is, no, like endure, stand firm, and, and trust him in it. Because what I want you to see is that I am your help and I'm with you. 
You see, Matthew 11.30 says that, Jesus says this. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, this is one of these texts for me when I'm just feeling overwhelmed that I'm reminded that God is with me and that the things that I'm trying to carry are not all mine to carry, that Jesus is with me helping shoulder the load of things to carry. So the truth that we see in verse three is that God is faithful and that he is with us. Verse four says, he who neither slumbers nor sleeps. I don't know about you, but um, I, I love the fact that we don't have a God that we have to worry about him sleeping on the job, right? We have a God who's always present, he's always accessible, and that, that when we're going through anything in life, that God is always available and he knows and sees. You see, it goes on to say in verse four as well that he who keeps Israel. I think a lot of times we underestimate the keeping power of the Lord. And here, when it's talking about Israel, I believe it's talking about um, the significant truth as it relates to our salvation. You see, Israel in, in the Bible talks about God's people. So th there is this significant truth that once we are saved, that God keeps us and protects us. I love what Jesus says in John 6, 39. It says, this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of those that he has given me, but I should raise him up on the last day. You see, we're saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus. But oftentimes the struggle of life, we feel like, you know, there's something that we have to do to hold on. Um, you know, it, this has something to do with my ability to hold on, right? But that's not the case. We don't have to keep uh, or work to do anything to keep our salvation. Our salvation is secure in the finished work of Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection. And we can trust that this morning. Well, let's go to verse five. It says, what is the mean, I'm asking the question, what is the meaning of the shade on our right hand? Um, and the right hand in scripture is always kind of this symbol of, of power and strength. So if you go to Hebrews uh, chapter one, where Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, it's the power and strength associated with that. But the shade here can also be translated as shadow. Um, and really for us, that's the reassurance that, um, that God is always standing there with us. He's always present. No matter what we do, he's always present and he's always near. Let's go to verse six. It says that the sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. I think in our day and age, we're not really concerned uh, by the sun or the moon striking us, right? But throughout the Bible, uh, the sun and the moon were, were representations of rulers and powers over the, physical, uh, over the physical realm. And since Jesus, right, and God and, and the Holy Spirit were all of part of creation together, um, we recognize that, that he has all authority and power and, and those things are subject to him. Let's shift over to verse seven. It says, the Lord will keep you from evil. Um, he has power to keep your life. And I think this is one of the words here that I was saying that in some of your translations, you may see that it says keep or it may say protect, okay? The different nuance there of the word keep means just a little bit different uh, of a word there. But it assures us that we're secure in him, right? God's word says in, in Psalms that um, he has a shield about us, right? That he is a refuge for us, that we are safe in his presence and he will keep your life. So hopefully for you this morning, that's an encouraging truth. I know it is to me. The last verse, verse eight, it says, the Lord will keep you, you're coming in and you're going out. And really that's just a figure of speech to say that everything you do and everywhere you go, 
you're going to be guarded by a God who loves you and a God who's powerful. So what do we do with all this, okay? Read, examine, apply. The beauty of application is God may be saying something to you today about your situation and things that you've gone through this week that may be a little bit different than the things he's speaking to me about. However, I believe that there's general application from this text that we all can draw from today. And the general application I want to point us to is this, that God is actively working all the time. God is actively working all the time. The next application I want us to see is that God is our helper and protector. God is our helper and protector. The next application is that God is always with us. God is always with us, right? That we're not alone in this journey of life. And lastly, that God is always in control. You see, I, I think there's a lot of times where, where we want to take God's word and, and make it say things that it doesn't say. But the beauty of what God's word says, it's straightforward. And if you're like me, it's, it's the simple truths that are, that are the hardest to grasp and the hardest to wrestle with. Uh, just to get personal for a moment, um, lately I've been just feeling overwhelmed with a lot of different things, feeling like I'm, I'm juggling a lot of different things in life. Um, I'm a dad of five children. Um, there's a lot of oversight of things that I have to give and tend to here in ministries and facilities and operationally. Um, there's a lot of things I don't know how to do. Um, and, and just in, in this phase of my life, I'm just struggling to, to understand, like, God, what are you teaching me and what are you telling me? And, and this text for me lately has been one of those things. This has been one of those texts that reassures me of who God is, that my help comes from him, that I don't have to do everything on my own, right? That sometimes asking for help is what God desires for me. Uh, sometimes, maybe, maybe you're like me, I'm one of the first people to jump in and, ask, and, and, and provide help, but I'm not the one to ask for help to my own detriment, and then I get overwhelmed. Um, but like I said, we don't always know what God is doing in the moment, but when we go to texts like this, we can step back and understand that we have a God who is with us and a God who is for us and a God who keeps us and a God who helps us. So let me ask you today, where's your focus? What are you looking to in the midst of your day-to-day? -day? Uh, as we look at this text in Psalm 121, right? Where does my help come from? What are you trying to, to do to get through life? Who are you looking to to get through this life? I love what Jesus says to his disciples in John 16, 33. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you would have peace. You see, in this world you would have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Church, family, friends, no matter the troubles that you're walking through right now, I want you to know uh, not, not simply that God will help you. He will, but God is with you. I want you to know that God's presence is with you. You know, and you can tap into that by spending time getting to know him in his word. He's with you in the sickness. He's with you in the midst of all the death and the craziness that we've had in this last year. He's with you with the, when the job opportunity that you, you had fell through. He's with you through the challenges um, that you face. He's with you through the relational hardships. He's with you when you receive the bad news, okay? God is with you. So find a text like this that speaks to your heart, that, that reassures you of who God is and reminds you of who you are in light of that. So let's take this text together and you know what, I'm gonna pray through it 
and then we're going to pray to close our time together. So hopefully, uh, like I said, it's going to be a little bit of a classroom feel. Here's the tool. Here's how to use the tool. Hopefully that helps you a little bit as you study God's word. See, we want all of us uh, to grow and know and love Jesus. And uh, you do that by spending time with him and his word. Let me pray through the text and uh, you can bow with me and um, just kind of pray silently on your own and then I'll pray and close our time together. Father, we lift up our eyes to you, to the hills. Father, we, we sometimes see the hills as a challenge, but we're reminded this morning that no matter what challenge we face, you are our help. That God, you are a very present help in time of need. The Father, the creator, the sustainer, the one who holds the world together in your hands, you are our help. Father, keep us in the day-to-day. Help us to trust you. Father, help us to know that you don't slumber or sleep. That in you we have the assurance that you are, are with us, you are active, you are available. Father, for those this morning that are are followers of you, that are saved, that their their salvation is eternally secure in you and the work that you've accomplished. Father, what you desire from us is to obey and to follow you and to worship you all the days of our lives. So Father, we thank you for this time. Father, help us to continue just to harvest the things and the truths and the seeds that you have planted in your word to us. Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, It goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at ncchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces making much of Jesus every day to everyone.